Well, hello and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. Thank you for joining us again. We are back to do another program exploring some of the lesser-known corners of jazz record history. And today we're going to focus on the music of a New Orleans trumpet player, cornet player actually at the time. His name was Punch Miller, and I'll tell you a little bit more about him in a second. So again, uh, as we uh, proceed through our, our, our journey through jazz history, I always point out uh, that uh, we would love to have some more sponsors on our Jazz Focus program. If you are so inclined, uh, if you're listening to me on anchor.fm which is our home they as uh, a sponsorship button there and several different options I believe and also on some of the other platforms as well so please uh, think about sponsoring us we'd love to have you join our family so Punch Miller was an African-American musician who was born in Raceland Louisiana just outside New Orleans in 1894 and uh, he was uh, he supposedly came by his name Punch his real name was Ernest Miller uh, he was called Punch because he had a twin sister named Judy, so inevitably he became Punch. And he started playing music fairly early on. He learned some different brass instruments, trumpet and trombone, and played in some of the marching bands around. He uh, joined uh, the army, or was drafted perhaps, during World War I. He was an army bugler, if we believe some of the legends we hear about him, and uh, learned some of his technique uh, in playing uh, with various army groups. He returned to New Orleans in the 1920s. He had a band called the Delegates of Pleasure, and that was a group name he returned to over the years. Punch Miller and his Crescent City Delegates of Pleasure recorded with that group several times uh, over the next 40-something years, 50 years almost. He made his first recording uh, in 1924, I think it was. It was uh, on one of the uh, uh, trips that various recording companies made to New Orleans to, to uh, record uh, local musicians. They were called field recordings, and I've done a couple of podcasts on those. New Orleans uh, benefited from visits from the OK Company and also Victor during the 1920s, and Miller was... Um, uh, caught uh, recording for, uh, I think it was okay, it was uh, with some blues singers, and his first recorded uh, ventures were blues accompaniments. By the middle 1920s, he was in Chicago. Like so many other New Orleans musicians, he went up the river and uh, looked for some more opportunities to play and to better his life. He never really played with any uh, well-known band in Chicago for any length of time. He apparently toured with Jelly Roll Morton for a while, although Morton said later on that he was fired because uh, he... Um, uh, Miller, I should have said, Miller uh, drank too much, and that was his problem. Morton uh, didn't have a very high tolerance for, for alcoholics in his bands over the years, and uh, Punch Miller didn't last too long with him. Miller did also record with uh, Tiny Parham's group. We're going to be hearing some recordings there. I think he may have played with him on a regular basis for a little while. I believe he played with King Oliver briefly. He um, played with a, a, a band led by a drummer, Francois uh, Frederico, I think his name was, from New Orleans, and it was called Frankie Franco and, the, and his band, his Louisianans was the name of that group, and he made a couple recordings with them, which we'll be hearing in a little while. Actually, his name was Francois Mosley, uh, but he went by the stage name of Frankie Franco. And he recorded with, uh, Miller recorded with a few other groups, led by Jimmy Wade, uh, Junie Cobb, Jimmy Bertrand, Albert Wynn, Frankie Halfpine Jackson. We're going to hear uh, a little cross-section of those groups uh, today. So, 
Some of the first recordings that he made were very fine jazz recordings that are not terribly well-known uh, these days because they didn't contain any very well-known musicians. We're going to hear four sides to begin our show that were recorded under Albert Wynn's name. Albert Wynn was a trombone player who was from New Orleans, although his family moved to Chicago when he was quite young, so he didn't uh, partake of the musical scene in New Orleans all that much, but he did have that kind of New Orleans flavor to his playing. The first band we're going to hear is Wynn's Creole Jazz Band, which features Punch Miller on cornet and vocal, Al Wynn on trombone, Lester Boone on clarinet, alto, and baritone sax, and he does some really fine playing on these uh, four recordings we're going to hear. Uh, Lester Boone had been, uh, or was at the time, playing with the Earl Hines Band, and he played with some other um, Chicago bands during the 1930s as well. This uh, first uh, recording was made on October 2nd of 1928. In the rhythm section, we have William Barbie, a kind of a shadowy figure who played piano on several uh, recordings by uh, Omer Simeon. Originally it was thought that it was the work of Earl Hines, but uh, it was indeed uh, William Barbie, and he was a musician who was pretty far ahead of his time. He uh, harmonically and rhythmically was really a, a forward-looking musician, as was Earl Hines, and that was one of the reasons that they were sometimes confused. Sid Catlett is on drums. I believe this is one of his first recording dates. And Charlie Jackson is on banjo. I think that's Papa Charlie Jackson, who had a long series of recordings in the 1920s into the 30s. He is considered the father of hokum jazz. And if you're familiar with the Freddie Cupper Jazz Cardinals recordings, uh, Jackson did not play banjo, but he sang Salty Dog on that. And I believe this might be the same fellow. So we're going to hear... Uh, from this date on October 2nd of 1928 for the Vocalion label, we're going to hear She's Crying For Me, composed by the New Orleans trombone player Santo Pecora. Um, and that's, uh, the, he, he originally did that for the New Orleans Rhythm Kings. And then we're going to hear Down by the Levee, which will feature a Punch Miller vocal. Then we're going to jump up a week to October 9th of 1928, and Al Wynn and his Gut Buckert Five, also for Vocalion, and pretty much the same band except Alex Hill plays piano. Alex Hill was another kind of under-the-radar African-American musician in Chicago. He later moved to New York. He was a good piano player and a very good composer and arranger, and... Uh, you know, we think of him uh, as the composer of some tunes that had some popular appeal, things like I Would Do Anything For You and Baby Brown, um, Delta Bound, things like that. Many, many people recorded the Alex Hill tunes, and his arrangements were quite good as well. So the two tunes we're going to hear uh, from that date are Parkway Stomp. Actually, we're going to start out with Crying My Blues Away and then go to Parkway Stomp. Parkway Stomp has a Punch Miller vocal. Crying My Blues Away has a vocal... Probably not by Punch Miller, perhaps by Alex Hill. So those are our four tunes. I may slip in another one later and tell you about that when we get to the break. We're going to hear Wynn's Creole Jazz Band, She's Crying for Me and Down by the Levee, and Albert Wynn and his Gut Bucket Five, Crying My Blues Away, and the Parkway Stomp. <laughs> Thank you. 
Novelty, a uh, song that we know from childhood probably. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes, which in my uh, investigation I didn't know came from a spiritual called When the Chariot Comes, a Christian hymn. And that was a tune that was done by Frankie Halfpint Jackson, about whom more in a little bit. Uh, he recorded with a group called the Cotton Top, Sanctified, Cotton Top Mountain Sanctified Singers on February 27th, 1929. And on at least one of the tunes, maybe some others, he was accompanied, and they were accompanied by Punch Miller on cornet and Bill Johnson, the legendary New Orleans bass player. These were recorded in Chicago. So we started out that set with um, four tunes by Albert Wynn and his groups. And these really featured Punch Miller uh, in, in a very positive light. He was an excellent cornet player who was... A little bit older than Louis Armstrong, but was sort of of that generation of player um, that were in New Orleans uh, and that stayed a little bit longer than Armstrong did. People like Buddy Petit and uh, Lee Collins and uh, uh, Herb Morand and uh, Guy Kelly. There were these were names who uh, some recorded and some didn't. Most of them left New Orleans by the mid 1920s to go to Chicago or someplace else. And they were uh, they had a little bit more of a modern look uh, at trumpet playing than, for example, King Oliver or Freddie. Keppert, and they certainly were greatly influenced by Louis Armstrong as well. And Punch Miller had a pretty significant trumpet technique. Uh, it's unclear if he's playing trumpet or cornet on some of these recordings, uh, probably cornet on the early
earlier ones, although he definitely went to trumpet by the 1930s playing with some of the other groups he was with. Uh, and he could play some stop time solos and some very flashy um, technical solos uh, in the same way that Armstrong was doing at the time, although Louis Armstrong, of course, moved away from that to become more of a pop song player and uh, a swing player uh, in years in the, by the late 1920s. Uh, Miller, uh, I guess, w- could read because he played with a number of different uh, bands that certainly were reading bands, um, and that's how he made his living more or less in the 1920s. He apparently had a problem with alcohol and uh, was not terribly dependable, so he didn't spend a lot of time with any uh, one specific band in the 1920s or 30s. So those Albert Wynn tunes that we heard were uh, in order. She's Crying for Me, Down by the Levee, uh, Crying My Blues and Parkway Stomp, all those from October of 1928 for Vocalion. And the first two featured William Barbie on piano, the second two, Alex Hill on piano. And we also heard uh, Sid Catlett on drums, uh, Charlie Jackson on banjo, Lester Boone on clarinet, alto and baritone sax is playing some very good uh, reed uh, solos in there and also ensemble parts as well and the leader Albert Wynn on trombone and Wynn was a was a staple in the Chicago scene as I said he had come north from New Orleans he had played with uh, some New Orleans bands uh, and toured with them and so forth and ended up in Chicago and played with uh, quite a few uh, of the theater bands and little jazz bands as well all the way through the 1930s and into the 40s he played with some big bands as well he uh, played for a little while anyway with Fletcher Henderson's band when his group was at the Grand Terrace in Chicago, 1936-37. And Lester Boone, same thing. He had played with uh, several of the theater bands, uh, Erskine Tate, uh, Carol Dickerson's group. He, as I said, went with Earl Hines' group and uh, spent two or three years playing with Louis Armstrong's big band. In fact, he made a, uh, a sort of a film. He made a cartoon, uh, Betty Boop's I'll Be Glad When You're Dead, You Rascal, You, which featured live-action shots of the band, and Lester Boone is in there. Uh, after that, he uh, moved to New York. He played with a Quite a few of the of, of the B bands, I guess you'd have to say. The Mills Blue Rhythm Band was probably the best known of them. And he stayed in New York until he passed away. I'm not sure when he passed away. I think it was in the 1960s, maybe even the early 70s. And he played dance hall jobs and jazz groups to the end of his life as well. So now we're going to move uh, to uh, a, a pickup group, a, a studio group, as it was called, Jimmy Bertrand's Washboard Wizards. And the first, uh, oh, I don't know, four or five tunes by this group, uh, six tunes, I guess, were pretty well-known because they featured some well-known uh, Chicago African-American musicians, Junie Cobb or Johnny Dodds on clarinet, and Eddie Dominique, uh, Louis Armstrong. Uh, they all featured Jimmy Bertrand on drums and washboard, as do the two titles we're about to hear, which, of course, also feature Punch Miller on cornet and Darnell Howard on clarinet. Howard was a musician who was... Uh, I believe he was born in Chicago. He was uh, trained musically from a very young age to be a violinist. He actually had played in several very early jazz groups and played with W.C. Handy's band and made recordings with them in about 1919 on violin, but he became better known as a clarinet and saxophone player to the jazz musicians. He too played with Earl Hines, uh, soloed occasionally on violin with him, but um, played mostly clarinet and alto sax. Before that, he had been with King Oliver's Creole Jazz Band and had played, I think, lead alto with them and also clarinet. Played with a lot of Chicago bands, Charlie Elgar's 
band. Uh, he did some of the hokum uh, sessions with uh, different blues musicians in the early 30s, and by the mid to late 30s, he was playing with some, some smaller jazz groups. He also subbed with the Fletcher Henderson Band. Uh, he was with Earl Hines throughout a good part of the 30s, and he left music to become a, a radio repair technician for a couple of years during the war, but then he was uh, brought out of retirement by Kid Ory to play in his band in the mid-40s, and he continued to play New Orleans-style jazz for the rest of his life, which lasted into the 1960s. So the two tunes we're going to hear from this band are Isabella and I Won't Give You None, two tunes by Jimmy Bertrand's Washboard Wonders. That's Jimmy Bertrand on Washboard and Woodblocks, I should have mentioned too. Uh, piano on all of those recordings are, uh, were done by Jimmy Blythe, kind of a legendary Chicago uh, black pianist who had made uh, piano rolls but recorded a lot of one-off sessions and blues sessions and things like that in the 1920s. I believe he died in the uh, about 1930-31, somewhere around there. He did not have a long life, unfortunately. Then from there, we're going to go to the fellow I talked about earlier, Frankie Halfpint Jackson. Now, Jackson was an entertainer. He was a singer and a comedian. Uh, apparently, he was a female impersonator for a while. He was a very short fellow, about five foot two. Uh, he had played, uh, or actually, he had uh, been in the service during World War One. And uh, when he came out, he started uh, doing acting and theatrical presentations, uh, mainly in Chicago. Uh, and he. Uh, stayed in, in, in Chicago all through the 1930s. He recorded very frequently in the 1920s and 30s. He had some sort of risque, naughty tunes that he was famous for, things like Fan It and uh, Operation Blues, things like that. Very, uh, very entertaining uh, performer. But he had a, a knack for hiring good mu jazz musicians, which is why we still listen to his recordings. So we're going to start out with two tunes of his, which feature uh, Punch Miller quite prominently. The first is called Take It Easy from August 27th of 1929 for Vocalion. Uh, this was done by uh, a group that was really just Punch Miller on cornet and a pianist. We don't know who the pianist was, with Frankie uh, Halfpipe Jackson singing. Then, uh, a few months later, uh, in December of 1929, also for Recalion, a slightly bigger group uh, that was called Punch's Delegates of Pleasure. We talked about that name before. That was the group that he had had in New Orleans, and they resuscitated that name, I guess. And so we have, in addition to Frankie Epi Jackson, Punch Miller and Cornette, and Charlie Ducastain on guitar. I guess it's not a bigger group, but it's a different group. And they will sing a tune, or play a tune that Jackson will sing, called Down Home in Kentuck. Down home in Kentucky. Um, it's got a whole story going with it. Then we're going to play a tune called Somebody Stole My Gal by Frankie Franco and his Louisianans. And I will tell you about them when we get over there. There'll be another tune after that break as well. So those are the tunes we're going to hear. Jimmy Bertrand and his washboard wizards doing Isabella and I Won't Give You None, both recorded for Vocalion. And then Frankie Halfpine Jackson uh, doing Take It and Down Home and Kentuck, followed by uh, Frankie Franco doing Somebody Stole My Gal. <laughs> Thank you. 
Chicago town was a snake hip shaking queen. Jasbo Jones from way down home was ready when ever seen. At a house rent party, they started a stepping, that's all. A strutting all around the hall. Jasbo was dancing kind of rough. Corrine yelled, baby, that's enough. So take it easy, take it easy. Daddy, please take your time. Oh, take it easy, take it easy. Baby, why, that's fine. Why, you are living on it, Daddy. Now, easy swing. Lover, you show is shaking that thing, but take it easy, take it easy, just take your time. Blue 
blues, can't help from crying. Gonna grab that train, call the morning online and go back to Kentucky. Back home in Kentucky. Kentucky, my home. Thank you. 
So there we have some uh, exciting jazz from Chicago of the 1920s. We started out with Jimmy Bertrand's Washboard Wizards. Jimmy Bertrand, the washboard and um, uh, drummer who uh, was pretty uh, legendary in the 1920s as a percussionist. He did a lot of um, work in theater bands and, and, and uh, recording bands as well. But he was a, a very adept jazz drummer, recorded with quite a lot of uh, African-American groups at the time, probably just behind uh, Baby Dodds in terms of his uh, recording uh, proclivity. We had Jimmy Blythe on piano. Again, he was another uh, excellent blues-based piano player, but could do a lot more than that as well. Uh, Darnell Howard did some outstanding clarinet work on the two sides we heard. He was a very facile player. He had a lot of technique, he had a lot of musical training, although according to an interview that he did, he didn't have much of any uh, training on clarinet. Most of his formal training was on violin, but he uh, stretched the truth in so many other ways on that uh, interview. Uh, you have to take anything with a grain of salt, I suppose. But the real star was Punch Miller on cornet in this case, and uh, he did some very Louis Armstrong-like playing on I Won't Give You None, which was the second tune we heard, and some uh, almost Jabbo Smith-like playing on Isabella, lots of fast fingering and fast articulation. So those were the tunes we heard from uh, that band. Isabella and I Won't Give You None, recorded on April 25th, 1929, for Vocalion. Then we went to Frankie Halfpint Jackson, and I am looking at the uh, Brian Rust discography, which is usually pretty dependable, but uh, it's a little fuzzy in, in some areas, and one of these areas is the Frankie Halfpint Jackson uh, discography. We heard Take It Easy from August 27th, 1929, also Vocalion, uh, Punch Miller on cornet, Somebody on piano, somebody on drums, and uh, that was the band that was backing the entertainer Frankie Halfpint Jackson, singing a number that was pretty characteristic, a very double entendre-laced number called Take It Easy. Then we heard Down Home in Kentucky, which he was uh, citing as Down Home in Kentuck. Uh, Frankie Halfpint Jackson, accompanied by Punch's Delegates of Pleasure, Punch Miller on cornet, Charlie Ducastain on guitar, uh, and clearly there were other musicians. There was a drum, there was a piano, and there was a clarinet player. The clarinet player might have been Arnett Nelson, who recorded with um, uh, Jackson uh, now and then at, at that time as well. Uh, we heard, uh, as I said, Down Home in Kentucky from December 6th of 1929. Jackson's recording career continued all the way through the 30s. He recorded a lot with the... Uh, Harlem Hamfats, which is a group that we're going to probably be uh, uh, spotlighting at some point coming up. They were a, a very hot little band, uh, uh, African-American blues slash jazz band that was recording from the mid-30s into the early 1940s and sometimes had some very interesting guest stars as well. So we finished up with uh, the standard tune, Somebody Stole My Gal, recorded on November 12th of 1930 by Frankie Franco and his Louisianians, Louisianans. Francois Mosley was the drummer, and he was indeed Frankie Franco. He was a New Orleans native as well, as was Punch Miller on cornet and vocal. And we heard him sing Somebody Stole My Gal. We're going to hear him sing the next tune after the uh, my talking gets through here, also by Frankie Franco, The Golden Lily Blues, which I believe was a tiny part tune. We'll talk about that in a minute. Also in this band, Ed Burke on trombone, Leon Washington on alto sax. We heard a, uh, the larger part of an alto sax chorus that was finished up uh, by about eight bars of tenor sax by Fred Howard. Zinke Kahn on piano. He had recorded with Jimmy Noon's band and some other fine groups as well. Bill Hilliard on bass. 
uh, tuba rather, and Charles Dugaston on banjo. And I think that must have been the same person as uh, uh, Charlie Dugastain, who recorded with Frankie uh, Halfpine Jackson. I'm pretty sure that was the same person. So we're going to feature uh, the Frankie Franco band on their only other recorded side in just a second, the Golden Lily Blues, which, as I said, was, I believe, composed by Tiny Parham, the piano player. And the last three tunes on that set are going to be by Tiny Parham's band. And I'll tell you a little bit more about them when we get to the other side of, uh, of that set as well. Tiny Parham, I will say, though, was a very... Uh, able piano player. He was a very large man, hence the name Tiny. Hazel Strathdean Parham, I think, was his real name. He worked in a lot of theaters in Chicago. He uh, directed shows. He played in the pit. Remember, this was the time of silent movies. He played organ. Uh, he did arrange, and he composed tunes. And he uh, had a long series of recordings for Victor in the 1920s and into the early 30s uh, with relatively small groups, uh, usually three or four horns in a rhythm section, mostly of his original tunes and his original arrangements. And they were really quite well done and good solos and good playing all around so we'll hear three of those coming up and uh, before we do let me tell you a little bit more about punch miller he stayed in chicago throughout the 1930s he recorded uh with the harlem ham fats occasionally he recorded with big bill brunzi the blues singer quite often in fact uh in some of his groups and that's another uh thing i think we're going to be doing as as time goes on we're going to hear a little big bill brunzi uh session uh, uh, program because he uh, he employed a lot of jazz musicians and he was a very fine guitarist and singer as well. And then Punch Miller ended up going to New York in the mid-40s. He actually was the featured guest star on the first uh, of Rudy Blesch's This Is Jazz programs, 1947. And uh, he was a... I don't know if he was intended to be a regular member of that group, or maybe he messed it up, I don't know, but he only was on that first broadcast. Uh, but it led to a number of recording sessions in uh, the 1940s uh, for Savoy and some other companies as well, uh, with people like Edmund Hall and uh, Jimmy Archie and Ralph Sutton, some of the core members of the This Is Jazz program. Uh, this was after he had left Chicago in, uh, I think, about 1942 or so. There are some live recordings of him playing with just a rhythm section in 1941. I'm going to be playing one or two of those, as well as a couple of his New York recordings on a podcast coming up called Hot Trumpets of New York. So, Or no, excuse me, Hot Trumpets of New Orleans. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, featuring uh, Punch Miller and Johnny Wiggs, a little bit of Louis Armstrong, a little bit of Red Allen, uh, Isaiah Morgan, and... Uh, Lee uh, Collins as well. So all trumpet players featured with just a rhythm section, and that'll be coming up in a few weeks. So the other three tunes that we're going to hear, uh, done by Tiny Parham and featuring Punch Miller, are Strutter's Drag, Cathedral Blues, and Snake Eyes. And these are, uh, as I said, pretty tightly arranged little tunes that um, uh, are going to uh, feature solos by all of the musicians who are part of this group. And mostly, uh, Parham used musicians who were very effective uh, players in the Chicago tradition. They were playing in theaters and so forth, big bands at the time, but they weren't well-known musicians. Uh, Punch Miller was probably the best uh, known of those musicians. So, we're going to hear, um, as I said, Stuttering Blues and Snake Eyes, the first and, and third of the Tiny Parham tunes. It's Tiny Parham and His Musicians, July 2nd, 1928, with Punch Miller on cornet, Charles Lawson on trombone, Charles Johnson on clarinet and alto saxophone, Charlie Jackson again on banjo, possibly Papa Charlie Jackson, although maybe there was another Charlie Jackson, I don't know. Quinn Wilson was on tuba. He was very young at the time. He and Milt Hinton were, uh, I, I believe, schoolmates at the time, and Milt Hinton plays tuba on some of these 
sides as well, and Ernie Marrero on drums and washboard. And those are, uh, as I said, uh, it'll be actually be the second and the fourth tune of this set. In between those, we are going to hear Cathedral Blues from December 3rd of 1929, uh, Largely the same group, with Elliot Washington on violin added. Uh, Mike McKendrick, a pretty well-known banjo and guitar player, will be uh, replacing uh, Charlie Jackson. And uh, Dalbert Bright on clarinet and various saxophones will replace Johnson. Some of the later uh, sessions had both reed players on them, but those did not feature Punch Miller. So at any rate, we are going to hear those three tunes, or excuse me, four tunes right now featuring Punch Miller. Golden Lily, Frank Franco and his Louisianans, and then Tiny Parham and his musicians doing Stuttering Blues, Cathedral Blues, and Snake Eyes. <laughs> Thank you. 
There we have Punch Miller. We started out with Frankie Franco and his Louisianans. Golden Lily Blues, and I was wrong. That had nothing to do with the Tiny Parham tune. I went back and listened to that. That's a, actually a much more interesting tune. The uh, Frankie Franco uh, was just a blues, and it featured Punch Miller on trumpet and vocal. And we also heard Zinke Khan taking an interesting piano solo. Uh, Leon Washington and uh, Fred Howard in the saxophone section. Ed Burke on trombone. Charlie uh, Dugaston on banjo, and Bill Hilliard on tuba with the leader, Francois Mosley, or Frankie Franco, on drums. That was from uh, November 12th of 1930. I think that was uh, actually from Melatone. That was one of the dime store labels that uh, came up during the Depression. But the sound quality was very good, unusually for the dime store labels. Then we closed out with three tiny parham tunes. This was kind of a blues set. The first three numbers were all blues. Uh, what we heard after Golden Lily was Stuttering Blues, Tiny Parham and his musicians for Victor on July 2nd, 1928. Tiny Parham played piano and celesta on the next tune after this, but it was uh, leading a group that included Punch Miller, of course, on cornet, Charles Lawson on trombone, Charles Johnson on clarinet and alto sax, Charlie Jackson on banjo, Quinn Wilson on tuba, and Ernie Marrero on drums and washboard. We heard the Stuttering Blues, followed by a December 1929 version of the Cathedral Blues. It featured a little Celesta in there, and uh, Dalbert Bright on clarinet and tenor sax, replacing Charles Johnson. Then we finished up with, from that first session, Snake Eyes, an interesting tune. That was one of uh, the uh, many Tiny Parham numbers that uh, he wrote for these recording sessions, I guess, and really crafted some very uh, inventive little arrangements that uh, sort of uh, trod the, the ground between uh, an ensemble improvisation and a big band from the late 1920s. All written out, for the most part, with solos interspersed, but uh, definitely a compositional uh, way of looking at things. You can compare the Tiny Parham uh, recordings to the Jelly Roll Morton Red Hot Peppers recordings uh, quite favorably. Morton probably had a little more uh, improvisational jazz in his recordings, but he had a similar uh, close hold on proceedings, and uh, Tiny Parham was obviously quite a good composer and arranger. So I hope you've enjoyed our uh, Punch Miller show for today. This is a celebration of African-American jazz in Chicago in the late 1920s up to about 1930. Some very good musicians, very good jazz players uh, who are not terribly well known today. Uh, as I said, Punch Miller is probably about the best known of all the musicians we heard so far. Um, and uh, he's not terribly well known for that matter either, but you can get to a sense of the quality of music that was being heard on Southside Chicago in the late 1920s. These African-American bands, uh, some of them were uh, full-time bands, regular units that played in clubs, but some of them were just jazz groups that were uh, playing on records, and they were musicians that came out of larger groups or studio groups and got their jazz kicks doing this. So quite a, uh, quite, quite a scene in late 20s Chicago. Well, you've been listening to The Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. Hope you're enjoying these programs. And again, uh, if you'd like to sponsor us, please do so. We would love to have some more members of our family. I'm enjoying doing these programs and uh, I would love some encouragement to do more. And uh, if you have any thoughts on what programs you might want me to do, please get in touch with me on my social media. My band name is The Wolverine Jazz Band, so wolverinejazzband.com or Wolverine Jazz Band on Facebook or Instagram. Hoping you're enjoying these programs and that we will encounter each other again very soon, and I'll see you on the other side.